from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio at the Gas South Convention Center in Duluth, Georgia. Welcome to Celebrating Powerhouse Women, proudly presented by NEMA and Sourced. And hello again, friends, and welcome back to season four of Celebrating Powerhouse Women. My name is Amanda Pierce Marmalejo, and I am joined in studio today by Sarah Hathorn. She is the CEO of Hathorn Consulting Group. This is Celebrating Powerhouse Women, and as you know, this is the series that salutes and recognizes women leaders making an impact. I am here excited because it is season four. We want to thank our sponsors, NEMA and Source, for bringing this programming to you all for your listening enjoyment. Sarah, let's start off with telling our listeners a little bit about what you do within your consulting group. Yeah, well, first off, it's great to be here. It's so fun. To, um, can't wait to get started on this today, Amanda. Uh, really, I work as you know an executive coach, a consultant uh, for large organizations, mid-size and small, to really help develop talent for their leadership pipeline. So it's all about leadership, and that's I just I love my work. Well, that is a uh, topic that is definitely predominant here on the show. And you have a very interesting leadership style, and you kind of coached your clients in a very specific way. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what sets you apart from others in your space? Well, one of the things that I think is very unique is that we really help um, organizations, women, men as well, leaders, to really step into their, their DNA. You know, and, and I really help organizations create what I call successful corporate DNA. But, but DNA is really the lifeblood uh, that runs through the, your leaders as individuals and teams and the organization. So we really, really talk a lot about, you know, how do you really uh, maximize your strengths while you're working on your opportunities? And so, you know, we, we do a lot around helping people to realize their fullest potential. That's probably what our biggest gift is. Um, in helping people to get promoted, to help people see beyond how they see themselves today. How do they prepare themselves to move to the next level so that they can lead at higher levels of leadership, whether it's in a nonprofit, it's for an organization, a government role, any, any and all of that. I'm curious how you got your start. Um, you know, you mentioned to me, let's, let's hop in our DeLorean and let's, <laughs> let's rewind just a little bit sure. and talk about when you entered corporate America. And I'm going to be specific and give you a reference here when you were at um, Macy's. So tell our listeners about that experience and kind of what led you to where you are today from there. Sure. So I was working in a department store, actually, right before Macy's, and I was a um, department manager. And I always had this dream, Amanda, of wanting to be the general manager. That's the store manager over everything. You know, I thought, that is so glitz and glamour, and I just love the people, and I love the energy. But I was simply a department manager. And it was a big store visit one day that happened where probably 25 or 30 people from corporate fly down, and they go through, you know, the store. And while I had this great technical expertise and fabulous results and all of that, I remember that my boss's boss's boss, whoever it was, pulled me over one day and said, hey, Sarah, I think you want to be a general manager one day. Am I right? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, well, there's some things you need to work on. And I don't know, Amanda, if you've ever had that happen to you, but, you know, the truth hurts most when you need to hear it most, right? And so he said to me, you need to boost your confidence, you need to have executive presence. You need to build a really strong brand about who you are and the value that you bring to the organization. And by the way, you also need to develop a great network. Well, 
that's like, you know, a lot of bullets coming at you at the same time, right? And I remember distinctly, I went home and cried, like, my eyes out. And, but yet, when I look back on that piece of advice, it was the best advice I'd ever been given. Because I got a game plan together. And I got focused. And so, actually, I moved from being a department manager into an assistant store manager within six months. Then I was able to move into being a general manager, a store manager, and that served me well, and I built a really great brand because back then, the department store business was very volatile, and I had to build uh, my team and myself to make it through eight mergers and acquisitions. And so I was able to really do that and uh, made it to actually being a senior-level executive with Macy's, uh, which back then was a Fortune 100 firm. Mm -hmm. And so then... Um, I was helping people get promoted and developing talent and, you know, creating leadership programs for many people. And then I decided it was time to make a sharp right-hand turn. And so I left my corporate comfort zone and I started Hathorne Consulting Group. And so one of the things that I was able to create and develop uh, is called the Predictable Promotion, which is my trademark system. It's the only system I think in the world that's actually trademarked around helping leaders get promoted in record time. And that system is really universally relevant for any individual in any leadership position in any organization. So it's about really getting the game plan to get that predictable journey to success. When you use the word like predictable, it's interesting to me in predicting a future, predicting an outcome. And I guess if you prepare well enough or make the preparations, that you, then you will be able to predict. Um, talk a little bit about how the talent translates to leadership within that promotion cycle. So you have the talent, you've identified that, you have the pool of talent, and you're kind of funneling those folks into fast track to leadership. Talk about that translation of skill. Talk about the application. Sure. Fill in the blank. So there's a couple of things there in the leadership skills that I think um, allow people to really step into their their higher levels of, uh, of realizing their potential. And I call it um, the four P's. Uh, of, of it. So the first P is really of what I call perspective. You know, do you have the right mindset? Do you have the confidence? Do you see yourself really um, capable of, of, of leading more higher level people, a higher team, you know, creating bigger things? Um, and so, you know, I think oftentimes, I'll, I'll, I'll pause here and say, especially us women, <laughs> because we are talking about the powerhouse women here today. Even women, I think, you know, we need to get over our doubts and fears and insecurities uh, because women tend to hold on to those more than men do. Mm -hmm. And so I think that holds us back. The second P is what I call positioning. And it's not really about climbing the ladder, it's holding onto the rung. So what do I mean by that? Well, 40% of leaders promoted fail in the first 18 months. So it's not just about getting to the next level, it's about how do you create the leadership skills and, and have longer-term sustainability. The third P is the showstopper. Are you ready for that one? Yes. <laughs> and that is presence. So 3,000 CEOs say that getting promoted, you know, 27% of the game is executive presence. So, you know, that really means you've got to be able to articulate. You have to be able to talk about the value you bring to the organization. That's how do you lead your people? You, do they want to be in your presence? Do they want to be on your team? Do they want to stay and, and, and work for you? It's about your presentation skills. 
It's about how do you land on your feet with gravitas when people are asking you questions. So presence is a a big one. Uh, The fourth P is really more of a post-pandemic P, but I call it the perseverance to pivot. And this is really about how do we lead through ambiguity um, in today's evolving landscape of leadership and the evolving world that we're living in today. It's much different today. So those are really the four Ps that I think um, I've seen leaders really embrace and, and use to kind of guide them to, to really help their teams and to help, uh, help their communities in bigger ways. Thank you for sharing. I was writing that down. So excited to hear your, your four P reference. Would you dive a little bit more into executive presence? You said that a couple times. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important for uh, leaders and, and young women to understand what that exactly is. So maybe talk about your own executive presence and how, um, and how you would kind of recommend someone polish that up for themselves. Sure. Great question. I get asked that a lot. too. <laughs> um, so it's really about how you look to behave and communicate. And so it is a little bit about your appearance. You know, we found that, you know, you can't, you you have to be able to command the credibility and sometimes how we look. And I know people don't want to hear that today, but that's a reality of life, right? You know, know, we don't buy a book in the bookstore. uh, Basically on what we've read, we look at the the cover of the book, right? So it's it's not as important as some of the other skills, but people say that if it distracts, from you being a leader, then we're, we're looking at things that are distracting and not really getting to know you as a leader. The second one, we really talked about behaviors. You know, it, how are you behaving around other people? You know, are you being respectful of others? Are you um, having empathy for people? You know, all of those great leadership skills and how you're handling um, tough situations. You know, it's about, you know, back to uh, perspective. It's about how do you have the right uh, positivity, possibility mindset to overcome the problems that your team is facing and give them hope that, you know, we're going to be able to tackle this. And again, communication is huge. You know, that's the emails that we send. I can't tell you how many leaders say to me, oh my gosh, like I don't have time to read, you know, a 7,000 word email today. You know, we talk about, you know, it's above the fold, right? Put in whatever you want above the fold. So it's email communication. It's communicating to your teams. It's being able to inspire and motivate people in a way through your communication style that wants to have them drive uh, to, to, to come into battle with you. So it's really all of those types of things and articulating your value, right? Back to women. We don't like to talk about what we do best, and our brands. We, we tend to know that our male colleagues do that all the time, Amanda, but when we have to talk about ourselves, it's like, I don't really want to do that. Well, you got to get over that today because technical experience is never as important as how you're being able to um, communicate and influence others to achieve the desired results. Talk a little bit more about influencing others. Um, are you familiar with the term accidental influence? I'm not, no. So just like you're accidentally influencing me right now, you're not doing it intentionally, but right. just through our conversation, I'm being influenced um, by our dialogue. So influence, especially in a world of influencers, you know, it can <laughs> go so many different ways. Speak about the importance of positive influence and professional influence. So I think positive influence in, is, is all of that is really about how do you frame your language? So it's about how do we frame what we want to convey in a way that, number one, takes into account 
the, the interests of the people around us. So if you're trying to get something, a product launched, a, a meeting, a, a committee formed, whatever it is that you're trying to communicate, you have to appeal to the people in the rooms in their best interests at heart. So you've got to be able to frame that in a positive way. I think the other thing you really got to do that I don't see many people do is asking great questions. You know, you don't have to have all the answers as a great leader, but you got to be able to ask the right questions at the right time. So asking questions is a way to create collaboration and, and unity and alignment so that people are more wanting to buy into whatever it is you're selling, whether it's an idea, a product, you know, whatever it is. So it's about really all of that is is helping people to get in agreement with you. And, you know, we're influencing all the time, right? We're influencing our husbands. We're influencing our kids. <laughs> we're influencing everybody. And it's really an art and a science. But when you learn to do that, people want to come with you. They're like, hey, Sarah, I'm all in. I want to I be on that train because I know we're going to the, 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 the pinnacle of success there. <laughs> We're going to the top. On yeah, that we're going train. to the top on that train. Um, I'm curious, Sarah, if you were to identify three qualities that make up a good leader, what would they be? Ooh, today, I, uh, I, these are going to be different than what I said before. Number one is perseverance, adaptability. You've got to be able, we're living in unprecedented times. And, you know, we know that there is no new normal. So you've got to be able to take whatever, wherever you're handed, whether it's the economy, whether it's the election year, whatever it is. And you've got to be able to pivot and, and be able to do that. I think the, the other one I would say is empathy. I think today we are living in a world where we need more empathetic leaders. Not sympathetic, but empathetic. There's a difference there. Yes. So I, I think that's one. And I would say, I also think that confidence, I can't tell you how many people, um, at the, even at the top ranks of Fortune 100s, I've, I've had the uh, great ability to work with, they still struggle with confidence. So you have to be confident of yourself before you can lead the people into battle. So those would be my big three. Confidence is a stain you can't wash off. No. Mm -mm. It's from one of my... Uh... Favorite music artist. <laughs> I know Dan knows who I'm talking about. For those of you just joining us uh, back here on season four, I'm joined by Sarah Hathorne, and we are having a conversation about leadership. I'd like to pivot, if we may, Sarah, and let's rewind and talk about something personal here for a second, and then we'll kind of dive into some of the things okay. that we were talking about before the show. Sure. So, out of curiosity, you know, you have a very, I'd say, successful career. You've traveled many paths. Looking back, some years, if you were to put yourself uh, at age 35 and you could tell yourself anything, what would it be? Hmm, that's a great question. I would say it would be to believe in myself, to have greater confidence, work on my mindset every single day. It's a muscle that you, you, you got to work on every single morning and every single night. And I, I, I know that when I've seen people make that pivot, that, that that's exactly what's happened. So I, I struggle with a lot of this. Number one, as a woman, woman, but also as a young female in a, in a big corporate structure back in those days. So I still think it's relevant today. Um, but I would say those, that's the keys. 
working on mindset, that's such a broad um, topic. And, you know, everybody's all positive mindset, affirmations. I'm curious what specifically works for you in order for you to get into that positive frame of mind, something that you do maybe repeatedly or now second nature that helps you kind of put on that focus. Because I find it hard sometimes, you know, the weather, emotions, (laughs) things women experience to kind of quiet that noise and allow the positivity to reign supreme. So please share. Yeah. The first thing I do every morning when I rise is I have a attitude of gratitude. You know, I really, I, and I really spend time on this, whether I'm getting in the shower, having a cup of coffee, I really look at what am I most grateful for? You know, I, I believe that saying that too much is given most much is expected. And, and there's many things I think sometimes we want, but we need to really stop back and think about all the gifts and talents and things that we already have. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I start envisioning what my day is going to look like. And I started thinking, you know, who am I going to meet today? What's Amanda going to be like on this fun interview we're having? Who am I going to meet in the studio? Who might I meet on the way in? And, and, and what am I going to learn today? You know, so I really kind of open up my mind to thinking about my day. Sometimes I may visualize if, um, if I'm actually giving a keynote on a large stage or something like that, I actually visualize success there. Um, so I do a lot of those principles first thing in the morning because it guides my mindset for the day. And studies have shown that if you, you start thinking about that before you read your email, before you jump on you know, a meeting or whatever, that you're already programming your mind to, um, to be successful no matter what, what obstacles may come in your, into your day. Um, and then I also practice that same thing in the evening, but in reverse. You know, I'm grateful for what happened that day. I call them God winks. Um, and I'm a minister's uh, daughter, so I got to talk a lot. Then I look at my God winks throughout the day. I also look at, you know, what was successful that day? You know, what, what did I do really well? And just three things. Mm-hmm. I don't get crazy. Just what, what three things were really great about today? And that keeps my mindset pretty much positive um, because that is something I've had to work on over the years. Mm-hmm. I like that. God winks. God winks. Thank you for sharing that. I wrote God wink. Now you've piqued my curiosity. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your your childhood. Where did you grow up? You mentioned that your your father was a minister. Mm -hmm. So just give us a little overview. Yeah. So a lot of my time, I grew up in Ohio in the Midwest. And um, my dad was a Methodist minister at that time. So we moved around quite a bit. Um, Actually, West Virginia, I was in Ohio and different areas there. And so I went to school. I went to college in Columbus, Ohio. And so that was really my my childhood years there. I was the youngest of four. And you know what they, you know, when your dad's a a minister... (laughs) You know, that's not good when you're in high school. It's not the most popular thing, right? You know, guys are afraid to ask you out. You're like, oh, my dad just sells shoes. Um, You know, so you don't want to really tell people what your dad does for a living, which today I'm like, well, that was so stupid when I think about that, right? Um, But yeah, so I really had this kind of a Midwestern girl as I grew up, and I don't regret any of that. Um, And then with my career with Macy's, I was actually moved about every three years of my life. Um, So uh, I, I... got to go to some fabulous places and have a wonderful career. When I look back on it, sometimes I wasn't able to have children along the way. Uh, and I regret that sometimes, you know, because, you know, again, I was all about my career and my, my climb to the top, so to speak. But, you know, again, that was something we all know that you have to give up things. Um, and so it was hard to hang on to relationships when I was being transferred all over the United States. 
But you came into one that is long lasting yes. when you met your husband. Yes. And he worked at Macy's too. Did he? <laughs> so see, it was love at Macy's. Love at Macy's. Love at Macy's. I bet those were some crazy holidays with both of you working in the department store world. I know that they're merciless when it comes to yeah. family time and the weekends. Exactly. Exactly. Six days a week for six weeks, long hours. Uh, my husband was actually in corporate and I was in stores at the time, but yeah, it um you don't really appreciate the holidays uh, like we do now because we're both out of that business at this point. You know, it's so funny because, and I come from the era where Macy's was like the department store you went to shop for the holidays and we would get our gifts wrapped there, you know? <laughs> so when I think about Macy's, my, my image of it is still that beautiful big red sign and the star mm, and yeah. the luxury when you walk in and all the perfumes, you know, it's just, it's, it's a great feeling. Right. I'm sure you probably can smell Macy's in your sleep because you've, you've been in <laughs> Yeah, so and I can see, see the store, you know, all the escalators and the excitement. And I just, I just loved all of that. I loved all of that. Sarah, when we return from our break, I'd like to um, shift gears and we'll talk about some obstacles and some challenges that you've overcome. But right now, a word from our sponsors. NEMA is a full-service logistics company that provides trucking, warehousing, and expedited deliveries for the paper machine clothing industry. They offer a full line of services, including delivery within the 48 contiguous states, Canada and Mexico, plus importing and exporting, air freight forwarding services, foreign trade zone warehousing, and many more services to handle your global logistics needs. NEMA is a proud sponsor of the Celebrating Powerhouse Women podcast series. We know running a business is hard. There are so many things that need to get done and you don't have the time, the resources, the experience, or you just don't want to do it yourself. At Sourced, we have your back. Office. We support leaders of companies with all their back office challenges that weigh them down. Whether it's accounting, talent acquisition, administrative support, marketing, or human resources, our team of experts at Sourced will make your life easy and your back office effortless. To see how we can help you, check us out at GetSourced.com. All right, and welcome back, folks. Amanda Pierce Marmalejo here on Celebrating Powerhouse Women, joined by Sarah Hathorne. And Sarah, my question to you, quite frankly, is, do you recall a time in your professional career that you were faced with a challenge that you had to overcome that has made you a stronger person and the, the person that you are today? Well, there's been many, but I'm going to focus on just, just one, one of them. Uh, back in... Uh, early in my career, I was asked to give a presentation on behalf of Macy's to, uh, I think it was like 300 people. And I was so nervous and just, you know, I, I went out there and I was nervous. I was questioning what I was going to talk about. I hadn't prepared. I hadn't planned. And I just kind of thought, oh, I can freelance this, you know. And it was awful. It was awful. And I was really almost really embarrassed by it. And my boss came to me and said, what's up? You know, I mean, what, what happened there? And I said, you know, I don't know. I was just off my game today. And of course, she was like, well, you need to get back on your game. And so I, I really learned about giving presentations and communicating to inspire and motivate and lead people, empowering people. And so it, I don't know that I would have been able to, done, to have done that had I not had that horrible experience. Uh, but today, you know, I'm now teaching people. I teach people how to present to large organizations and um, be able to inspire, whether it's speaking to your um, 
frontline employees or whether it's speaking into a, into a group of people that you need to influence to create buy-in. So that's probably one of the big ones that I felt awful about at the time. But, you know, I, I got to work. I, I figured out how to do that. I took some training. I worked with some leaders. I asked for some feedback. I took the feedback in stride, you know, again, back to sometimes we don't, we always want to hear the good feedback, but I asked for constructive feedback. What could I have done better? And so every time I spoke, I asked somebody to listen to me, to record me, to tell me what could I have done better? And so I think when you hit those moments of failure or disappointment, um, that you learn so much from those, you know, it's, it's sometimes we don't learn from our successes. We learn from our setbacks. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go back to one of the things that you said, if we, if I may, and you know, not everybody is able to ask for that constructive criticism. Not shoot, not everybody asks for it period, but they get it. So in a position where you're receiving that, what would you suggest to someone that that's foreign to? Cause not everybody can take, I don't want to say criticism, but not everybody can take that well. So from a learning perspective and from someone who wants to grow, how would you advise someone that is receiving that information to kind of, um, take that on, digest it, and then apply it in order to make themselves better? I think the first thing you have to do is be open. You know, um, don't be defensive about it. Listen to what the person has to say. Um, But also make sure that you understand the feedback. Oftentimes when leaders are giving feedback, Amanda, they aren't specific about the behavior change that needs to happen. They just say, you need more presence. Well, what does that mean? You know, so ask questions of the person like, well, what does success look like? What is it that I'm doing that that's unprofessional. What do I need to do better at? So really don't be afraid to ask the person giving it for specifics because because sometimes they just simply, you know, want to sugarcoat or kind of talk around that. So I say to do that. I say then, as I shared in my story, you know, take it in. Um, I wouldn't apply anything right away. You have to accept it. I think you've got to accept the feedback and realize that the person who's giving it has your best interest at heart. I know that's not easy to hear sometimes, but they really do have your best interest at heart. And then begin to say, okay, I've gotten this feedback. Now, what is it specifically that I need to do? What can I try? What risks can I take? Where do I need to step out of my comfort zone? What can I do to start honing this skill so that I get better at it? So you have to create an implementation game plan, obviously. So I think you need to do that. And then I think you need to go back to the person who gave you feedback, right? And, and ask for, you know, can you tell me where we've made some progress, where I've made progress here? What are some continued opportunities that you see for me? So that they see that you're really invested and in not only just hearing the feedback, but implementing what you heard from the feedback. You know, sometimes we can listen to things, but that doesn't mean we hear them. So I think they really have to sort of become the leader, take that on and begin to, to change. Okay, I was gonna say and, and check back as and it check, okay to back. check back, yeah, and see see how far you've come. Kind of have that measuring stick. Yeah, and I think sometimes we don't want to. We we're afraid to ask, right? Because oh no, what if they give us more constructive feedback, right? But you know, the measuring stick stick is you're up against your own measuring stick. You know, your your you know what your boss thinks you need to do. So definitely check back. I would like to ask you to give me three adjectives that describe yourself 
if you were to pick three adjectives to describe Sarah, what would they be? Now, before the show, you told me how others might be able to describe you, but you about yourself, what would you say? Mm, That's a great question. I would say that I'm driven. Um, I would say that I am empathetic and I would say that I'm fun. I like it. And I would say you're tenacious. And tenacious. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, if I may share just a, a smidge of our, our personal story, um, we had you scheduled to come on a couple years ago, in fact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the world changed and you had some personal shifts as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing how we're able to come full circle and be here. I imagine the conversation we're having now is different than the one we would have had a couple years ago based on what has occurred in that amount of time. Right. So kind of speaking, uh, sticking with the theme of resilience, what are some things that you've experienced over the past couple years that have helped make you a stronger person today? Yeah, I've had some um, family deaths, which has been very difficult to overcome. Um, over the last several years. Um, I think also I've had some business up and downs, uh, you know, coming out of the pandemic, although I'd say that now we're back on top, but you know, it's a very, very struggling back again, world was changing pandemic, everything happening. Um, and I think I've changed, you know, I think now that I think each year you get a little bit older, you're a little bit more confident, you have a little bit more wisdom, uh, than you did five or 10 years ago. So I think that, I've pivoted. I've uh, really, sometimes I've taken some sharp right-hand turns with my own business. I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing this part of my business anymore because it doesn't bring me joy. It may give me a lot of money and revenue, but you know what? It's not everything. I've also found that in my work today with Hathorne Consulting Group, I want more discretionary time. I don't want to work those, you know, 12-hour days like I did at Macy's. I want to be able to have a life I want to spend time with my husband. I'm going to do some fun things. I want to travel the world. So I I think those are the things that I've really um, would say are kind of been pivotal and and things that I've had to have a lot of resiliency because, you know, you don't get over a lot of those things that happen in two years overnight. Mm -hmm. So resiliency is a, is again, something you have to work on every single day. Mm -hmm. Speaking of traveling, Yes. Because I was going to ask you what you enjoy to do, what you and your husband enjoy doing. You yourself, you know, I was speaking about you uh, before the show. You're a a leader who is renowned in 39 countries. Okay. Here you've Mm -hmm. been Singapore, Mexico, Japan, Australia. So you were saying that you make it a point to incorporate personal time within your travels so that you're not just fully exhausted from work and you can actually, you know, spend some of that, that energy on yourself personally. Talk about some of the fun things that you and your husband have done um, during the times that you've traveled or just some of your experiences while you were speaking. Yeah. So anytime I'm working in another country, um, my husband and I always plan personal time around that. It's like, that's got to happen. And so we actually go together. And um, my gosh, when we were in Australia, we went to the, you know, the Great Barrier Reef, right? So we went like scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef. So we always find something that we, we love the culture, we love the people, we want to immerse ourselves, not sometimes in the touristy things, Mm -hmm. but just in, in what are people eating? Like, what are they, how are they experiencing life, right? So we will do some of the touristy things, but we really like kind of just getting down with the people and and having food at some of the Mm non-touristy places. And, um, you know, when I've been in Singapore, I've been so grateful for uh, a colleague there. I I stay, you know, I go into her home for dinner. So again, not going into the restaurants. Um, But we both love to travel. 
So that's very, very important to us. Um, because I think that when you travel, you just get so many perspectives about the world. Mm-hmm. And I can bring that back to my experience. I see leaders in different countries. And you know what? One thing I've realized, Amanda, we all face the same challenges. Mm. You know, whether you're working in Japan or you're working in the United States. I mean, in, in working with people in 39 countries, people are people. Leaders are leaders. You know, we're all facing the same stuff. So it's just that there may be some cultural changes, you know, taking, uh, taking into account there. But we're really just all people who um, want to make the place a better world, a better place to be after we leave it. I know you're familiar with the term iron sharpens iron. And I'm sure we've all heard of you are the sum of the five top people that you hang out with the most. I love that. (laughs) So looking at your sphere of influence, I'd say that you're, you're pretty set with some, some dynamic people around you. Talk about why it is so important to surround yourself with others who lift you up. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I personally am in several uh, masterminds where um, I'm around people who are lifting me up and supporting me and sometimes doing a lot more revenue or a lot more successful than I am, but I thrive on that, right? I think you want to be around the people who are going to give you constructive criticism, but again, best intentions at heart. They push you, they, they challenge you, but it sparks ideas. It sparks creativity. And even with women I know in, in leadership, but many of the organizations that I work, there's some women leadership groups, right? Go to those sessions, you know, like, you know, but find the people who are at a higher level than you. Find the people who can raise you up, who can share with you what it's like on the journey they've been on or what challenges they face as a woman. So I just think it's, I really, really encourage my clients. I myself uh, do it. I, I think you want to be in the room where you're not the smartest person because that, that really forces you to grow and to expand and see other people's perspectives. And then you begin to see that, that little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Like, you know what? If Amanda can do that, I can do that, right? So I, I think it's very, very important. Mm-hmm. And I do see the uh, the statistic does work. You know, when you're, when you're around the five people you hang around with, you make as much money as those five people, you're as successful as those five people. So I think we can all do better at being more selective about our inner circle. Mm-hmm. And even at work, day in and day out, you get to choose and control who you want in your inner circle. Hmm. Does, you know, if you have negative colleagues, then I'm not saying you ignore them, but you don't have to take that into your bubble. Yeah. Find the, find the positivity people. Find the people who are like, we're going here, get on the bus. You know, those are the people you want to surround yourself with. The positivity bus. I like it. Yeah. Talking about influential groups or powerful networking groups or just you know, women in leadership, what are some arenas or what are some, um, you know, places that you have found successful relationships, uh, as a woman in leadership? Well, I think that, um, one of the things that I've enjoyed in the community here in Gwinnett is I'm a member of the leadership Gwinnett alumni and I love that group. I've spoken for that group. I go to their events. Um, and, and I just love that because, you know, they're really the leaders here in our, the community, which we're, 
located right here for this podcast. So I really like that a lot. I've done a lot of work with um, the American Cancer Society for Women. Um, years ago, I was helping with their fashion shows. Um, just, you know, a lot of things like that. I like working. I, I do some pro bono work and some speaking for some um, organizations. Um, and I do a lot for women in leadership. You know, a lot of uh, organizations will ask me to come in and speak to their women leaders and and kind of uh, empower them. So, you know, it's 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 not just one thing. It's 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 a mindset. It's a practice. It's it's you know where do I want to go? Who do I want to be with? And where can I share my message to help other people? Speaking of where do you want to go? Where do you see yourself or your agency within the next three to five years? You know, I just want to continue to to help people. You know, I, I you know. I've had the uh, wonderful ability to work in over 41 industries. That's a lot. You know, that that commercial that I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. Um, So, you know, I've had the great privilege to do all of that. I just want to do more. I want to be able to help some of the the up-and-coming younger generation know how to navigate to create greater career success, become a better leader. Mm. I want to help the baby boomers that uh, have this huge brain trust that are leaving organizations. How can I help them to share those secrets and those technical skills that they have with the younger people? So again, we're kind of leaving a legacy as we go through. So I wouldn't say there's anything you know mind-boggling there that I want to do. It's just more of the same, but but getting a a, a, a a wider reach than I've even had even before. Mm. I'm curious, Sarah, who is a communicator or a leader that you admire and why? I would say that it's one of my coaches that and I'm a coach and I have a coach. How about that? <laughs> um, and his name is Alan Weiss. And Alan Weiss has written, I don't know how many books, I think 70 some books um, on consulting. And the reason that I admire Alan so, and so the reason that I coach with him and I and in all his programs and things is that you know, he has the ability, again, to be diverse. He's, he's a little bit of a contrarian. He gets people to think. He, he's not the yes person, but he also understands what it takes to lead, especially today in, in ambiguity and whatever. So I've seen him uh, through the years have to pivot and make some right-hand turns and change his business and change who he, he is as a leader. But obviously, he's done so much that I'm investing in my own professional development with him. And speaking of investing in professional development, personal development, what are some things that you do to stay sharp? Do you enjoy reading, listening to podcasts, journaling? Um, Yes, I do all of that. Uh, But I also immerse myself. You know, you you can't learn to ride a bike by reading a book, right? So um, I work with people um, and through coaching or through mentoring. I uh, love reading great books. Um, But again, you got to implement what you're learning in the book. Um, and I, I do listen to podcasts. I think that's a great way. I know a lot of, I'm listening to a lot of women's health right now. And so I think you've got to find not, not just one way, but what's the different ways. Sometimes I may take an online course, mm-hmm. um, but I'm all about professional development. And so I, I practice what I preach, so to speak, right? But I think it's important because that's how we grow, you know, and you, you pick something that you want to learn about and dive into dive it, in, you know, yeah. but Again, try to find somebody that you can guide and be there right beside you because they're going to push you more than the online course or more than just reading the book. 
Speaking of having that person to kind of um, be your battle buddy and help push you, who would you say uh, has been a mentor to you kind of throughout your your professional growth? I know you mentioned Alan. I don't know if that would apply here, but is there any one person, and it could even be a parent or your significant other, who's really kind of helped um, support you along the way? Well, I had a lot of women leaders at Macy's that supported me along the way. One in particular, I remember, was Tammy Himes. She was very, very... Uh, crucial to my development along the way. Um, But I would say, you know, my mom and dad, you know, my mom told me at a young age that I could be anything I wanted to be. I didn't have to follow the normal script of, you know, let's get married after college and have four kids. And even though she did, but, but she said to me, you know, Sarah, you can be anything you want to be. Um, and so I think that you know, that I think my dad uh, taught me a lot about public speaking and about ins- inspiration from the pulpit and how do you influence people, you know. So I would say really I had some wonderful women leaders uh, back in my career days. And I think it's important that women, we have mentors, whether they're formal mentors or informal mentors. I think that's very, very important. Today. You asked me about you know, some of the younger people and what we need to do. Um, but also, you know, I think your family, my husband, since I started my business, has been my, my biggest cheerleader as long as, along with my brother and sister. What does your husband do, may I ask? My husband, um, he right now is going back to school in cybersecurity. Cool. But um, yes, but he's actually been a lot on um, in the internet and, and, and all kinds of things to deal with technical. He's mm-hmm. actually my... Um, my behind the scenes guy does my <laughs> website, you know, does all my posting of things. So, you know, I can't, I couldn't live without him, but he is going back to school in cybersecurity. So he's actually pivoting to career number three. Wow. Yeah. I just remembered you mentioned that you guys were together at Macy's and mm. I, I didn't catch what he had done since. Hey, cybersecurity is something I know nothing about, but it is an ongoing threat I hear. So yes. thank goodness for people like him <laughs> who are doing their due diligence. Yeah. Sarah, I've enjoyed our time together tremendously, and I know that our our listeners have gained value from what you have shared. I would like to give you um, the last few words here to leave our listeners with uh, parting thoughts or words of wisdom. I would say that the climb, it isn't always about the climb to the top. It's about the journey along the way. And I would tell people in what we've talked about today to arm yourself for the expedition, you know, arm yourself with perspective to see beyond the immediate horizon. You know, how do you position yourself so that you are at the forefront of opportunity? How do you continue to grow and elevate your executive presence so that you get noticed in a great way? And how do you, how do you arm yourself with perseverance to pivot and, and be agile in this day of changing changing landscapes of success. And with all of that, I think it's not just about when you get to the peak, being the beacon and shining on, but it's really about illuminating the path for others to follow. Hmm. And I think if you arm yourself with those four Ps, that you will be able to transform challenges into the stepping stones to realize your fullest potential. Let's remind our audience what those four P's are because they were so outstanding. And the first one was perspective. And the second was positioning. And the third was presence. And the fourth was perseverance, correct? Yes. All right. And I'm sure Sarah would happily have a conversation and expand on those points. Um, Should anybody listening like to connect with her, how can they do so, Sarah? Yeah, you can reach out to me at um, Hathorn. That's H-A-T-H-O-R-N, HathornConsultingGroup.com. My website's got lots of 
references and ways to contact me. And so I'm happy to talk to anybody. Thank you for joining us, Sarah. And as you know, you can catch this um, broadcast every Friday live at 1130 a.m. here on Business Radio X. You can also subscribe and enjoy previous seasons and all of the exciting shows we have upcoming um, wherever you get your podcasts. I listen on iTunes. Where do you listen, Sarah? I listen on iTunes. Fantastic. And we're going to leave it to our good friend, old uh, Miley here, because you mentioned something and it's not about how fast we get here. It's not about who's waiting on the other side, but it's the climb, right? Right. It's the climb. I'm no karaoke. <laughs> I am your host, Amanda Birch Marmalejo, and I have too much fun with you guys on Fridays. Thank you for supporting our series, and we're looking forward to another great season. We'll let Miley take it from here. Until next time, this is Celebrating Powerhouse Women on Business Radio X. Every step I'm taking, every move I make feels lost with no direction. My faith is shaken, but I, I gotta keep trying, gotta keep my head held high, there's always gonna be another mountain, I'm always gonna